0: Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And say, so we pray, Heavenly Father, this morning that you would feed us, uh, that you would nourish us, and that you would soften our hearts that we might hear your voice. Amen. Um, there will be a breadth within the room, but to some extent we are all planners. 21st century life, we have to be, don't we? Some of us, say we will have our diary filled out with exact timings and everything accounted for and I's dotted and T's crossed and and spontaneity is practically a swear word. And some of us, a little more go with the flow, roll with the punches of life. planning. But then even then, you will probably know what you would like for lunch or what you've got going on this week or maybe a summer holiday or something coming up. Planning, to some extent, is just something we all have to do. I mean, think about you at the moment. What are you planning for? Maybe you're there, busy making your food shop, as you're meant to be listening. Maybe you're trying to work through family logistics for the next week. How are we going to get that person to that place? when mean, they've only got this car and that car's in the garage, and, and all of that planning that needs to happen. Maybe it's bigger picture. Maybe it's the career progression. Where would you like to be in five years' time, ten years' time? Some of us at Maldon Road are planning for weddings. Some of us are planning for big anniversaries. Maybe you're planning for retirement and you've been busy saving for years. You've been squirreling away all your money so you can retire early and do the kind of things that you would like to do, whatever it is for you, golf, it's holidays, whatever it might be. As individuals, we we plan. It's a necessary part of life. We plan day to day. We plan week to week. We plan month to month. Maybe even we plan year to year, planning, planning, planning. And yet we plan as a church too. Uh, If you've been around at the business meetings recently, you will know that we're planning things to do with staffing coming up, planning about finance, planning about the autumn and what we're going to be preaching in the autumn. Believe it or not, we are almost planning for Christmas That meeting is booked next Monday. So much planning. And the question that James has for us this morning is this. The question is, do you make your plans as if God is in the room? Remember the story so far um, in James. The the problem, he is talking to double-minded people. People who are trying, trying to ride two bikes, people who aren't quite sure whether it's worth jumping all in with Jesus or not, whether they can trust him, and so they've got divided loyalties, they've got a foot in both camps. It's, it, it's complicated, he says, they are unstable in all they do, 1 verse 8. And On a Sunday they're in the room and they look like they're playing the part, and then the rest of the week they just blend in with everyone else. Looking like everyone else, sounding like everyone else, living like everyone else. Nothing really to to distinguish them from everyone else, from the world, as Matt was reminding us. And the problem with having divided loyalties is it's a rotten place to be because it means you just have no joy. Because you're not quite all in either way. And so last week he urged us, and with Matt, remember 4 verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so this week James says to to double-minded people like that, maybe people like us, people who are to come near to God and to make their plans, not off doing their own thing and maybe in hindsight hoping the Lord might bless it, but rather to make our plans with God in the room, and the big picture for um, this morning—just five verses—but two areas for us to consider. James asks us to think about our perspectives and our priorities, and with each one, we've got two questions. So, first of all, our perspectives, and and it seems to me, all the problems arise really because, well, because. We get too big, and because he gets too small. We get too big, and he gets too small. And so they've got two angles of sort of gentle interrogation from James as a friend, wanting to explore with us what's going on, wanting to explore with us our perspectives. And firstly, he questions our view of the future. Have a look at verse 13. Now listen you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, we'll spend a year there, we'll carry on business, we'll make money. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Context is one of um, traveling merchants, those who will head to a town for a time and sell their wares and make their money and then go somewhere else and do the same thing and do the same thing and do the same thing, maybe one place after another, year after year. And yet verse 14, see it's We don't even know what tomorrow brings. And we make our plans and we have detail and we have certainty, but well we we get too big and he gets too small. And we don't even know what tomorrow brings. It's interesting, as Christians, we live in a funny place because we know what the eternal future holds. We know the end of the story. We know where we will be. We know whom we will be worshipping. We we know the final page at the end of the book, and we know how it all ends up. Jesus will return. The new heavens and the new earth will come in. We'll see him face to face. We'll worship him forever. And we know the end of the book, but we don't really know what the next paragraph holds. What are you doing tomorrow? do well, you think, I've got some emails, I've got some meetings, I hope to travel to see this person and do that thing. And, and yet in reality, we don't even know what tomorrow brings. It's striking, reflecting on this, I, actually I think that, that idea has hit home for us these last couple of years, because COVID cancels things, doesn't it? And plans have been ruined, and events have been scrapped, and holidays have been postponed, or... And maybe life was all charted out, and we knew what we were going to be doing, and we knew the meetings and the trips, and we had it all mapped out. And then just overnight, it, it all changed. And we couldn't do it anymore. It's, it's humbling. It's still happening. Just this last Sunday evening, just gone, some of you will know, we had our joint FIEC jamboree thing up at Woody Road, and, and we had to pivot last minute to get a new speaker, because the speaker coming in, what, COVID? COVID? COVID cancels things. And in all our certainty, we, we get too big and he gets too small. And maybe suddenly we realize we're not so big because we don't even know what tomorrow brings. What are you doing tomorrow? In one sense, you don't know. Maybe we need more of the perspective where things are just penciled in. And we love to plan... And we love to imagine that we're in control and we've got it sorted, and and yet rather than planning in pencil and writing stuff in in pencil, we're very quick with the pen, aren't we? Maybe we don't even need a pencil, we think. But we don't even know what tomorrow brings. Again, if you were a regular, you'll have heard this week of news in terms of our desire to partner with the Caballero family, a, a Brazilian Panamanian family who we were Hoping and praying that they would come and be able to work with us, and we could train them, and they would be helping us to reach out to some of the eclectic diversity of East Oxford and better love our neighbours and reach them. And and that's not going to happen, it seems. And yet, even though it's a dead end, who knows what the Lord has been doing through that? In one sense, we've always been slightly planning in pencil, particularly when COVID came on the scene. Does that mean we don't plan? We say. Does that mean we just sort of aimlessly meander through life, just go on to the next thing and the next thing, and hey, case there are, there are, whatever will be, will be? I don't think so. Um, examples, for example, Proverbs 21, verse 5, the, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Or, or Luke 14, 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower doesn't first sit down and count the costs, whether he has enough to complete it? I think it's expected that we will be planning to some extent. We want to be those who who steward the gifts that we have well. We want to make the most of what the Lord has entrusted to us. And yet, do we make those plans as if God is in the room? Have you got a right view of the future, says James? Secondly, when it comes to our perspectives, he says, I think, have you got a right view of yourself Have a look, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. And you you run to the car and you close your umbrella down and you give it a shake and you chuck it on the back seat and you, you start the ignition and you've got a passenger in the front next to you. And you're driving in the rain for 20 seconds and suddenly the windscreen starts to steam up and visibility starts to become an issue. You think, do I, do I slow down? Do I stop? What do I do here? You, you open a window or you press the blower onto max. And in 30 seconds, ah, I can see again, it's safe to drive. And the mist on the windscreen? That is you. And that is me, says James. And yet we get too big. And he gets too small. And we do all we can to try and imagine or try and think that we are significant and important and that death only ever happens to other people and that we are here forever. But James says we are missed. I was really struck yesterday as we went to Long Crendon Baptist Church, a number of us, for um, the church day away. And I was struck by the fact that you have to walk, whether you come from the back or the front of the church, you have to walk through a graveyard. Isn't it striking to be struck by the reality of our certain death, unless Jesus returns first, whenever you come to worship, whenever you come to hear from the Lord? Our life is so sanitised. We can be so forgetful. We can pop it in our blind spot deliberately. And yet James says we are missed. Just here for a bit. We're not as big or powerful or immortal as we thought we were. There's a fascinating account on Twitter. And every day it sends out, I think, just one message, and it's every day. And the one message is this it's just four words, four words. You will die someday. The account name is your daily death reminder. (laughs) (laughs) But what I find fascinating actually is the responses to the daily tweet. That there are some people who will, I try and use it for good. Trying to remind us of of these things, which is important. But mostly, it's kind of a humour. It's a a light-hearted escapism. It's the equivalent of Woody Allen saying, I'm not afraid of death, I just don't want to be there when it happens. We're not good at remembering we are missed. Because we get too big and he gets too small. It strikes me our sin always is and ever has been since the garden that we want to be like God. We want to make our plans. We want to know the future. We want to assume that we are immortal. We want to be big. And we want him to be small. And we're missed. There are other plans out there when it comes to right planning in a world where God is God. So Proverbs 19, 21, for example, many are the plans in a person's heart but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so rather than it being about us and our planning and thinking we've got the future mapped out in pen and us forgetting that we are missed, James tells us what we should say. He says, rather than saying we will go to this city or that city, verse 15, instead what you ought to say is, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. That's why many Christians will say, God willing, God willing. Um, as they answer emails or conversations, or they'll sign off DV, which is Deo Valente, which is Latin for God willing. You get that kind of thing in in Oxford, don't you? Um, But it's a good thing, because it's a reminder that we are small and that he is big. And it's never just to be an unthinking kind, uh, pious add-on, but rather it's this deliberate posture that we accept in life. It's a posture that says, huh, if God wills. This is what I've got planned for tomorrow, if the Lord wills. Trusting him, humbling ourselves before him. If it's the Lord's will, doing his will before our own will. That is a big part of what being a Christian is, isn't it? God's will before your will. Jesus, he, um, he teaches us to pray, your will be done. Jesus, he models for us how to live, yet not my will, but your will. Paul says something similar in Acts chapter 18 as he's with the believers in Ephesus. He leaves them behind. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined, but as he left, he promised, I will come back if it's the Lord's will. Paul had a plan. He planned to return, but it was written in pencil. Friends, we must get this right. This is so important as it means to be a Christian. We, it might seem like a scary thing to admit to the Lord that, that you are small and that he is big or to admit you don't know what the future holds or to admit that you are temporary like mist or to trust him to seek his will rather than your own will. It would be, it would be a scary thing. It is a scary thing were it not for the fact that we have a loving Father in heaven. And actually the fact that he is so big And that he does have the future sorted. And and we are not so big and we don't have the future sorted. It's incredibly liberating. If he were mean, it would be really scary. If he were not good and not dependable and not trustworthy and didn't have a track record, it would be really scary. But he is good and he is dependable and he does have a track record. And he has got you. Whatever that thing is that's bubbling up in your head at the moment about the future, the, the anxiety, the uncertainty, it, it's okay to plan in pencil. It's okay. In fact, it's liberating. It's more than okay. It is liberating. Prayerfully making plans and saying, as the Lord wills, is not a bad place to be. It is such a good place to be. You can trust him. He, as Matt was teaching us yesterday, he loves you. He really does. So number one, there's our perspectives, our view of the future, and then our view of self. Secondly, and we'll be a bit briefer, is our priorities, our priorities. And again, he's got two cautions for us. The first one is doing things for the wrong reason. Okay? Doing things for the wrong reason, I've called it. I think we can make the sim- we can't miss the simple fact that James is not positive about the priority of these merchants. If you look at his language, it's of, see, verse 13, it's carrying on business and making money. Or verse 16, it's arrogant schemes and evil boasting. I think we can't duck that. Now, don't miss him. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with money. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with making money. The Bible is very, very clear that our work is valuable, that what we do matters to the Lord. How we work is hugely important. It's all worship. And yet in James, we've already seen a number of times the real danger of riches and money. The danger for the double-minded, the danger for any of us, is, is that money has such a pull over us. It is so alluring to our hearts. It, it sells us dreams and we believe them and they're dreams of comfort and security and acceptance and power. And... That's why Jesus spent so much time talking about money. Because he knows, he knows that we can't serve God and money. And yet we'll certainly be tempted to try. We'll give it a go, won't we? I've already said um, in our notice about the gift day that we know money is tight at the moment and it will continue to get tighter. There will be energy costs going up, there will be inflation, all kinds of other things. But I want to urge you as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, if that's, if that's what you are, I want you to urge you to, to think about what it means to steward your money well and to deal with your fears well and to make your plans even as, as a believer, as one who knows they have a father in heaven. Because i found that with the lure of money on my heart, it can almost be as, I, as if I forget God is there as I make these plans. Almost just blending in, and living and worrying and budgeting like I've not got a gracious Father in heaven who loves me. And yet thinking it's all about me, and, and suddenly, <laughs> here it goes, I get too big and he gets too small again. Now if you're, gonna, if you're struggling financially... Um, now or over this next year particularly, then do come and talk to us. We, we are seeking to put money aside for that, to help with those kinds of things. We're not unaware of that. And it's right, isn't it? Show me your budget and I will tell you what you care about. How you spend and save or whatever. It is. Our bank statements do reveal our hearts very clearly maybe even if we're willing to look, this financial crisis might reveal to us what's going on inside us and the kind of things that we're seeking to trust in. Because suddenly we find we can't get those things and it makes us very anxious. So firstly then, are we doing things for the wrong reasons? But second one is this, it's in verse 17, simply, are we not even doing the right things? Verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. I want to be honest with you. Up until this last week, I have always struggled to see how this verse fits into the flow. It's always a bit of a kind of, is this just an add-on from James? Or like a random thing he's just kind of chucked in there at them? Or something that he knows that we don't? But it's obvious, isn't it? I'm just sick. If we're planning badly, if we're getting our priorities lopsided then we'll get sucked into doing the wrong things and so miss out on the things that we ought to be doing. I think that's it. There are only so many hours in the week and if you are filling those hours, if I am filling those hours with the wrong kinds of plans and my priorities are all skewed, then James says we will be sinning. Your time is not your own. Can I put it to you that um, sometimes I think we are often stressed or anxious or life is out of kilter because we're double-minded and we're trying to cram everything in and run after all the things and, and we think, oh, in them, that, my hopes will be fulfilled. That's what I, That thing is what I need and then life will just fall into place. That's my silver bullet I'm going to run after and if I could just grab that and then you end up missing out on what really matters. And maybe Jesus just kind of slipped down the list a little bit. Not quite the priority he was. And so I think the question is this What are the plans that we're making that stop us doing the things that we ought to be doing? I think that's the question from verse 17. The plans that we're making that stop us doing the things that we ought to be doing. Maybe it's Sunday mornings. You know, here once in a while, and I don't so much mean shift patterns. I know shift patterns are complicated, but, but you've just got loads of things competing for your Sunday mornings now. And so this weekly gathering with God's people under his word, together to encourage each other, to praise him, to pray, to take the Lord's Supper, just, it's not quite as important as it used to be. And you look back and you think, oh, I used to be really keen, and now I've just got so much going on, actually. And it's not so much the first thing in the diary anymore, it's just somewhere down the list a bit. Just one of many things. Maybe it's not so much the organized church stuff that we find ourselves not prioriting. Maybe it's just the organic life stuff, what it means to be a part of a church family, the life of the body. It's, don't, you, someone puts a message out on the church WhatsApp and you think, ah, oh, somebody else will do it, that's fine. I mean, they need this, but I'm sure somebody else will jump in. It's the meal, it's the time, it's the visit, the encouragement, the care, whatever folk are needing. Maybe it's just our devotional life. Prayer is barely there. Bible is infrequent, or if it is, it's shallow, because we've got so many other things to do. And how am I going to fit it all in? And I will binge watch this series, but maybe it's money. I know money is tight. But our hearts do get duped so easily. That's why Jesus spoke so often about it. We believe the lie that that thing is the thing that I need and end up having, don't having the money to give to the things that I ought to be. We don't plan and so we don't do the good that we ought to do. Man, it's challenging, isn't it? I've said before, the problem with James is not, it's hard to understand, it's just hard to do. And why is that? I think it's probably because we're more double minded than we'd like to think we were. I want to finish up just on one verse, um, nicking a verse from Matt from last week. It's verse 8 again. It's come near to God, and he will come near to you. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying we're not doing it on our own, we're not functional atheists. He is in the room. Our Father in heaven is well aware of the things that we need and the things that we need to plan for. And and yet if we get too big and he gets too small and we're trying to do it all on our own, then everything goes wrong and we get anxious and fearful and life gets chaotic. But maybe if If we forget that, if we forget that he's in control of the future, not us, well, planning in pencil is going to be okay. It's okay to plan in pencil because we've got a Father in heaven who loves us. It's not that we don't plan, we just hold lightly to those plans. Maybe we forget that we're missed and that that's okay and it's his will be done, not my will be done. Maybe it's that we do get duped into thinking that, like these merchants maybe be, money is where it's at. That's the thing to go for. Maybe it's that we don't, we don't do the right things because we've prioritized wrong and we squeeze the right things out of the diary. Or well, we've not planned well. We've not planned as if he is in the room. And suddenly we find ourselves all over the shop. But he is big. we are small and if we can live our life in the light of that reality that is a really really good place to be let's pray Father in heaven we love that you love to speak to us your children we thank you that you promise to draw near to us and so help us to draw near to you or would you help us to make plans to live life knowing that you are big and that we are small and that you have the future sorted and that we don't and that you are permanent and that we are missed and that money and things and all that stuff we get so caught up in not it's not ultimately what life is about we pray that you would help us to plan in such a way that the right things are done and the wrong things are left, and that you would guard us from sinning. Lord, we're so sorry when we get this wrong, and we do get it wrong so often. We pray that you would be at work in us, that we are less double-minded. We pray that you would help us to make plans, knowing that you are in the room, knowing that you are our loving Father in heaven and that we can trust you. And we pray in Jesus' name.